You're listening, listening to, to Bible, Bible Plus. Bible Plus from Seesaw. Bible Plus is a podcast featuring short, daily discussions of every chapter in the New Testament. Bible Plus is designed to increase Bible reading, understanding, and enjoyment. Get more out of the Bible. Hey guys, today we come to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and as we start out uh, on this Gospel, I want to think about the four Gospels one more time and just give you one adjective to describe each of these four Gospels. Now, if you were going to pick one adjective to describe each of the four Gospels, think about what you would pick, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, Here's what I would do. For Matthew, I would choose weighty. You know, we're talking about the kingdom of the heavens, the seriousness uh, and the responsibility that come with being uh, a citizen of that kingdom. Think about Matthew 5 through 7. Think about Matthew 24 and 25. All those parables um, show us the weightiness of God's kingdom and Christ as the king uh, invading human history and bringing in his kingdom and the need to repent and align ourselves rightly with that kingdom. For Mark, I would choose the word vivid. Mark is the shortest uh, and, in a sense, the simplest of the Gospels, but it is the most vivid in the stories it tells. All the stories that overlap in the four Gospels, if they're in Mark, Mark's version of that story is always the longest, always the most detailed, always the most vivid, and it's a fast-paced, vivid account of Jesus as the servant, uh, servant savior. Luke, I would choose the word pleasant. Um, it's long and complicated, but the general feel is just, it's so pleasant, so lovely, because Luke is writing to show us how Jesus came to be uh, a man just like us and announce the Jubilee and identify with our suffering and heal our diseases and minister himself to us in such a pleasant, fine, tender, fully actualized humanity Um it's, it's so wonderful. We have the story of the Good Samaritan. We have the story of the prodigal son. Um, so that's Luke. And it's, and it's all about the forgiveness of sins like we saw. So we've got Matthew being weighty, Mark being vivid, Luke being pleasant. And now we come to John. And I would say John is profound. It is definitely the deepest of the four Gospels um, in that it opens up the being of God the nature of God, the trinity of God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, and shows us how uh, God has come into man to bring man into God to be our life for the building up of God's habitation. So it's awesome, but it's deep. And um, that kind of even brings us to the twofold movement we're going to see in this book. Um, And that is the first half of the book shows how God comes into man, into humanity to be man's life, to meet whatever need he has. We're going to have nine case studies that show us different types of people, which are all pictures of us in our human sinful neediness and how Christ's life is able to meet whatever need we have with all of our needs. We just need to come to the Lord just as we are, and he can be what we need through being the divine life in man applied to us. And then in chapter 14, we're going to have a shift. The second half of the book is going to be showing how Christ's death on the cross and redemption and becoming the life-giving spirit is to bring man into God. Now, this is 
again, an extremely profound concept. And if you're wondering where this is in the gospel, it shows up a couple of places, um, but most conspicuously in chapter 14, uh, verse 20. Um, but I, I want to point out chapter 17, 21, it says that they may be in us. He says that they all may be one. Uh, let me just flip to it real quick. John 17, 21, that they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me, Christ, and I in you, that they, the believers, may also be in us, capital U, us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. So the Lord's work ultimately culminates in our being brought into God. So God is in man, man is in God. Um, that's the depths and that's the direction that this book is headed in. Now, one more thing before we jump into John 1 um, is John is, again, a little bit unique in no other gospel writer tells us quite as explicitly as John does why he wrote his gospel and how he wrote his gospel. So right at the end of the book in John 20, 30, and 31, it's it's important to note this these two verses at the beginning at the outset of our reading of John, so that we're properly oriented as we read this book, why, you know, what is John's goal in writing this to us, and and how did he, you know, undertake this, this endeavor? So let me read these two verses, John 20, 30, and 31. Many other signs Jesus did before his disciples, which are not written in this book, But these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Okay, so did you catch that? Why he wrote it and how he wrote it. Why he wrote it is in verse 31, that we may believe something about Jesus, that he's the Christ and he's the Son of God. And when we believe that, we have his life. We have the divine life through his name. So, why he wrote it? For reception of the divine life through faith. Okay? So we have life through faith. How he wrote it was through signs. And we're going to see this crop up a number of times throughout the book, beginning in chapter 2. But signs are events um, or items that point beyond themselves to spiritual realities. So they're things and events that have a deep spiritual significance to us. Um, and so John is, in a sense, a picture book. Um, so think about it. He says, I'm the bread of life, right? Uh, even the tabernacle in this chapter is a picture of, of, of Christ and our experience of Christ. So we've got the twofold movement of the book, God bring, being brought into man, man being brought into God. We have the reason and the method of writing that we would receive his life. And this is conveyed to us through through signs, events, things and events with spiritual significance. That brings us to chapter one, which is one of the greatest chapters in the entire Bible. Um, and it's so deep and so profound. And there's much to uh, meditate on and pray over in this chapter that I don't have time to address today. But I just want to give you an overview of this chapter. You can think of this chapter in just five words, which really sum up all of all of all of history, all of God's purpose, everything that God is doing comes down to these five words. And that is all in this chapter. And that's creation, incarnation, redemption, transformation, and building. Rede- uh, creation, incarnation, redemption, 
transformation and building. And as you read this chapter, be looking for this, but I'll just point it out real briefly. We start with chapter uh, one, obviously, verse one through three. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. So this is such an incredible uh, beginning. Uh, the beginning before the beginning, before time, the triune God is there, and he creates all things through the Son. And then in verse 14, uh, even more astounding is that that second of the divine trinity, the word, becomes flesh, verse 14, and tabernacled among us. Now, tabernacle is not in all English translations, but that's the technical word that John uses, and it points back to Exodus with the building of the tabernacle under Moses saying that Jesus is the true in, you know, embodiment of God where God is meetable, you know, hearable, contactable, seeable. And that's what John says. He says, we beheld his glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and reality. If you remember, the book of Exodus ends with the glory of God filling the tabernacle. Well, John is saying, Jesus is the new tabernacle through whom we see God's glory, God's expressed, expressed. We enjoy God's grace and we experience him as the reality of anything we need. Okay, the next one is 129, another great verse. It says, uh, John the Baptist says, uh, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So this is redemption. Although we were created to be uh, one with God and, and bear his image, we fell through sin. Jesus became a man and perfectly expressed God and embodied God and made God available to us. But the sin still had to be paid for and dealt with. And Jesus became the Lamb of God and was sacrificed for us, took our place, uh, and removed our sin. And this points us back to the book of Leviticus, uh, chapter 16, and specifically, which talks so much about the day of atonement, day of expiation, and the sacrifices. Um, they all point to Christ and are all fulfilled by Christ as the one final greater sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. We need to hold on to that. If we have faith in Christ, Jesus has taken away our sins once and for all. We need to behold him and rejoice in that. The fourth point is transformation. This one's a little bit more abstract and, and not so apparent, but it's verse 42, and that is Jesus changes Peter's name. Uh, well, he changes Simon's name to Peter. So we usually think of him as Peter, but that's Jesus's new name for him. And Peter, uh, Peter is the first person ever named Peter that we have a record of. Peter was not a normal name back then because Peter means stone. And so think if I changed your name upon meeting you. Hey, what's your name, Dave? Hey, Dave, I'm going to call you Table. Okay, Table is not a normal English name. I don't know anybody named Table, table so it would be odd to change your name to that. It would be odd to change your name to begin with, but it'd be even stranger to change your name to what's not Co commonly thought of as a name. And this points to uh, Jesus and Jesus's intention, not merely to redeem us, but to change us, to transform us, to make us new through his divine life. And this ties into the whole series of Old Testament people um, who had their name changed by God. Think about Abraham. He started out as Abraham, Abram, and God changed his name to Abraham. God changed Jacob's name to Israel in chapter 32 of Genesis. And all of these instances point to God's 
work in their life to transform them into something suitable for his purpose. And Peter's name is changed to stone, and Peter will remember that and comment on that in his epistle, 1 Peter. He says, 1 Peter 2, 5, we're all living stones being built up into God's house. So we are transformed to be building material for God's new temple, the church. And that's how we end this chapter, verse 51. This is such an awesome verse. Jesus says to um, Nathanael, Truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, this is a reference back to Genesis 28, Jacob's dream. He dreamt of a ladder set up on earth that reached to the heavens and joined heaven and earth and brought one to God. God was at the top of that ladder and spoke to him and blessed him. And Jesus does the unimaginable switch here in verse 51. He switches out the ladder for himself, the Son of Man. Jesus is that ladder that joins heaven and earth and brings God down into man and man up into God to be one for the building of the house because that dream of Jacob ends with Jacob waking up and saying, this is none other than the house of God, where God and man are joined through Christ and are able to communicate and commune and enjoy one another and experience each other. That's the reality of God's house, and that takes us into the Gospel of John, and we're oriented to look as we read this deep and profound gospel for how Christ is made available to us as our life so that we can experience him and be transformed by that life into the house of God. And we'll get to that in chapter 14, 15, and 16. Um, the Father's house is the church. And so this is a opening word to the Gospel of John. Hope you guys are excited and invigorated to read this gospel and read prayerfully and um, spiritually and um, use this text not just to look for a, a story, but to use it as John intended it to be used, to receive life through his name. And we can do that by finding Christ uh, in all the signs in the Gospel of John. Amen.